Has anyone ever tried writing a story? Um, often, and maybe, maybe this was even myself once upon a time, uh, in my younger days I was a journalist, and um, of course that's, that's potentially exciting. I used to read the, the news feed that would come across um, back in those days, if you can Im imagine this. Um, we had what was called a telex. You'd stand, um, depending on which shift you, you were, but as a cadet, you'd have stories. It's not like the, the net where you just do a Google search and you, you go to a site that says the latest news and just spits it out. We would have this printer that would just constantly be churning out all the news from around the world and as a cadet, you'd, turn it, you'd tear this big, long, continuous strip into sports, international, Australian, state, you know, whatever the, the area was. But, you know, that goes so far. And, and in, then you might entertain little ideas. Of, I wonder what it would be like to be, to write fiction when your world's so full of fact. And um, I never tried that, but... You, you quickly gain the impression, and, and it doesn't take long to read, that there's a lot of people who think that it would be a great idea to write a novel, to be a novelist, and they might have grand pictures of, of sitting down at a desk with a manual typewriter, whack, 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 whack. They might lock themselves away for months at a time in a, in a cabin out in the bush somewhere or something like that, a little shack. And it's all good to think about. But not many people go on to write a book. They like the idea of writing a book, but following through is, is something altogether different. Um, and, you know, I guess I tell that little story, which has just come to me in the moment, um, as we come to communion, because there's, there's a particular book I like um, in the New Testament. It's the book of Hebrews. And I think there's so much in there, if you think about just the title, it's addressed to this bunch of Hebrews, and we say Hebrews, Jews, they had a certain view of the world. They had a certain way of thinking. And then into this picture comes this disruption called Jesus. And everything that's been thought of in a particular way before for these people with a Jewish background as I've responded to this amazing um, call and plan that Jesus has laid out in faith, all their thinking has to go somewhere new, doesn't it? And it's very easy in, in one sense because it, it is just, Jesus has just removed so much of what their worldview was built around and just the acknowledgement of what had been done with regard to sin and the law and these things that were impossible to make yourself right with God um, was amazing. So I'm, I'm just going to read some verses from uh, chapter 2 in Hebrews. And, and it's really just looking at this. On the one hand, I can introduce him now as this central kind of main actor, you know, the lead in, in this story. And, and so it starts here, it's... it's done a little bit of clarification just ahead of this in the chapter talking about Jesus, well, hmm, he's different to what your notion of an angel might have been. That's not the category he fits. And so this, this might make a little bit sense of where this particular verse comes in before I continue. 
So uh, Hebrews chapter 2, and I'm starting in verse 9, it says, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. So on the one hand, just before this, he's not like some super angel. It comes in here now and says, we see Jesus who was actually made lower than the angels. Made lower than the angels for a little while. Now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And that's got the makings of a bit of, a, of an interesting story. If you were writing a story, um, this is not a novel I could have arrived at. It continues, uh, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. They're unusual words, pioneers. There was a pioneers day recently out at uh, Barellan. I think they have one periodically. How did the pioneers live? This is kind of a little bit of a a different sense of pioneer. Um, It's talking about Jesus being the pioneer of their salvation. And and pioneer here, it kind of means the author, the one who's writing what is happening here. It's his idea. It's Genesis. It's beginning. is in him. Should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. And that perfect, we have ideas of what a perfect is, but here it's saying bringing to an end and putting himself in the place where as a consequence we now see that this guy who's not a super angel, this guy who put himself below the angels, is right here in majesty as God in heaven. So I'm going to read that again because I've interrupted my own verse and keep following down in subsequent verses. So many sons and daughters, by the way, that's going to refer to any of us who responded to Jesus. So in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. We are sons and daughters of God, part of his family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I'll declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I'll sing your praises. And again, I'll put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. And that's meaningful to these Hebrews. These are the, the, the physical offspring, multiple generations after a promise made to Abraham. For this reason, he had to be made like them. This is Jesus, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest 
in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. How's this story that someone would write us into a plan to take us from death into life, that would take us from being in in slavery to a fear of death, to a fear of the sins, our awareness of what we've done that doesn't sit right with others, let alone God. What sort of a story that Jesus writes us in as his brothers and sisters, that we're a part of God's family. And it's an unusual place to pull up because um, we've changed chapters here and, and I don't know how discriminately or indiscriminately chapters and verses are placed where they are because it's not the way these were written in letters. But it's got a therefore, you know. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And what are those couple of words about? Apostle? Well, we have these friends of Jesus, these disciples who go on and we find them being called apostles. We have the apostle Paul who talks about, hey, I'm here to establish what was passed on to me. I'm passing it on to you. And he would sort of tell people, hey, imitate me. Think the way I think about what we know concerning Jesus, what the impact is for us. Do what I do. But saying here, Jesus is being acknowledged as our apostle. He is this marvellous example. He is this living, alive, although was dead, embodiment of who it is we follow and whose story is the only one we can listen to because it's the only one that gives us hope. And high priest, and all of Hebrews is just so much about, which makes sense to these Jewish people, is so much about the value of a high priest who makes an offering. In this case, it's Jesus actually giving himself. And in one place, it talks about, yeah, there's a certain value attached to human priests, but what's the thing about a human priest? Well, they, they'd sort of intercede for people with God, but they weren't perfect in themselves and as a human priest, the other limitation they had is they'd die. But Jesus is described as this great high priest who's always there to intercede with God on our behalf. So he's described here as both an apostle and a high priest. And the part where it talked about him being fully human, that he knows what it is to be tempted, does anyone find that a bit of a relief? Now, he's perfect. There's a difference between him and us in our actions, isn't it? You know, temptation is what it is. The word says he always offers us a way out of it. But here's Jesus who understands us perfectly. And, And if we're to fix our eyes on him, if we're to imitate what he's both empowering us in by his Holy Spirit, by what we read of his life and know of his example and his leading through the Gospels. You know, we read 
those biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those New Testament books, we get a picture of who it is we're following, how it is that we follow him. We hear his instruction to us and his call to us. And what does that do? Well, as we grow, as we move on, you know, him, you know, in, in his family sense, um, again, just, I guess, uh, referring to another instance in, um, in the same book of Hebrews, it means then we don't have to shrink back to who we were before we found ourselves as part of the family in God, in our faith in Jesus. We don't have to go back to those futile kind of destructive ways, destructive to us, destructive to others, because we're in the one in whom we're able to persevere, to keep going. And, and not just keep going as if it's just all struggle, but with confidence that actually Jesus is batting for us. He bats for us. He's on our side in everything. And, and there's even better coming than what we know as struggles now. Um, and there's even better coming than the victories we know now, the wins we have now. Because it's just, it's just like a shadow of how much things can be so much better. And even that's though, we have our great days where we can't imagine things being better. You know, the sun's shining, everything's how it should be, it seems. And, and we say, I wouldn't be dead for quids. And yet it's greater than that. So fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Um, there were a group of disciples. Jesus, remember, he was crucified, he died, he rose, and then he ascended into heaven. And the people who were there as he sort of disappeared up out of sight, you know, were suddenly spoken to and... And the message to them was, well, you know, why are you just standing here looking up into heaven? Now, there's two things. For those guys, there was, hey, there's something more coming now. Here's what you do next. And yet, how can you not be fixated on Jesus once you know who he is? Yes, there's things to do. Yes, but it's God who reveals them to you and he calls you into them. It has to be a deliberate decision to fix our eyes on Jesus. So, again, just to reiterate, what is, it, what is it he did? He made atonement for our sins. He took our place. He died, but he rose in the power of God. But he didn't rise alone. He brought us as sons and daughters, into life also. So acknowledge him. He's your apostle. He's your example. He's, your, he's the source of truth. He's our high priest. Imitate him in his ways. Jesus, our high priest who lives and intercedes with us always, with God our Father. He made atonement for our sins, are paid for. They're not counted against us. Now, yep, I was just suddenly looking and thinking, ah, oh, that's right. So let's just pause before we do that. What do you know of the story of Jesus? What comes to mind 
was it Jesus weeping for his friend Lazarus? Even as he was about to give a demonstration of the power that he had in raising a dead man to life in that most physical of senses? Is it, is it Jesus' compassion, you know, for, for those who were blind, those who were crippled? Was it his sharing and his lack of judgment for those who had sinned? Because our story is reflected in all of those stories in one way or another. That's why we look and we say, ah, oh, we are just so wretched in a way, but we're only wretched until we discover that Jesus has come into our picture. So I'll just give you a quiet minute to, to yeah, to, in your own space, fix your eyes there and meditate on something of Jesus and we'll eat and drink together. Dear God, our Father, this, um, this story is not one of our making. It can never be one of our making because we don't have the power to bring it about. Instead, we're the ones of your making. And, and our contribution, I guess, has been to go our way and, and to try and live life on our terms. And you, you had a plan for our salvation. You had a plan for this world to redeem it, to buy back, to bring back many sons and daughters. And Lord Jesus, you are that story. We just give thanks for your willingness to, to go to the cross as we, as we in our fallenness and in our, in our just outright sin um, took out on you what you didn't deserve. And you are glorified in that you were willing to undergo that. That you were willing to take everything that this world would heap upon you. You bore it to death, O oh Lord. You bore it to death. And with that, you rose and proclaimed that we're forgiven. That whoever puts their hope, their trust, their faith in you would live so we say thank you. We say thank you, Lord Jesus, that you um, that you paid the price. Thank you that you live to intercede for us, that you call us your brothers and sisters, that we're part of your family. We thank you for this um, this bread, representing your body, in which you gave in immense suffering, and for this cup which is just uh, proclaiming your blood uh, by which uh, we live because you were willing to pour it out. Thank you in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink. <laughs>